this is Kat. And this is Phoebe. Welcome to Feminine Chaos. And happy Halloween. It was two days ago now, uh, Halloween. Phoebe, how was your Halloween? Ooh, spooky and scary. It's very um, child-centric, you know, making sure that everybody's in their costume at the parts of the day they're meant to be in their costume that sort of thing. Taking a lot of pictures. Yeah. Getting in practice for your later life as a stage mom. Definitely. Definitely. I I think I really have that energy because it really, (laughs) you know, just like putting a little bit of eyeliner on my own nose and my daughter's nose and then a little bit of extra eyeliner for the whiskers so that we could be kind of cats was, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely the start of a career as a stage mom. Yeah, no, it's it's only going to get better from here. Next thing you know, you're going to be custom ordering sparkly dresses and like toddler high heels and um, what do they call those things? Flippers to fill in the gaps in their little tiny teeth online. <laughs> this is your future. Well, yeah, toddlers and tiaras. I, I think one of my children's probably already aged out of being a, a toddler with a tiara. I guess the other one, I don't know. I don't feel like either are really showing inclinations to want that life. But, you know, <laughs> who far be it for me to, you know, stop them if that's their aspiration. Right. It's never too late to be a toddler and a tiara. Except no. that it, it kind of is if you're over the age of five. But um, So did you dress up? I did not. Um, I decided to have an adult Halloween, which is to say that I put a bowl of candy on the front steps of my home. And then I went across the street to my neighbor's house to have a beer with them in their yard. And so we, you know, we sat there and we watched for trick-or-treaters. This was the first year that we actually got really any. It hasn't really been very trick-or-treaty because of COVID. And then it turns out that our street is sort of out of the way for the main thrust of trick-or-treating. People just kind of don't know it's there and they bypass it. But uh, I nevertheless was cleaned out of candy immediately because I had the bowl out there. And as a a gang of kids came down the street, I said, oh, you know, the bowl's there. Just, you know, grab yourself some candy. And the next thing I knew, this pack of tiny little savages, all of them dressed up as a SWAT team, had swooped in and cleaned out the entire thing. And not only that, but there was spare change in the bottom of the bowl because I kind of hastily threw something in there. And they took the quarter, too. They took <laughs> oh my, my quarter. Goodness. All of the peanut butter cups and a quarter. Um, wow. Yeah. So lesson learned. Next time, I'll have to hover there like a hall monitor, making sure that the children do not take like 15 pieces of candy per. So, but do you think they got to keep that candy? Well, it depends on who their mom is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because as I understand it, and I did not know that a person who did this existed until happily or unhappily Twitter alerted me. Some parents just throw out their children's candy. Uh I've heard of parents eating some of the candy um, and have every intention of doing that, but yeah. <laughs> that's not the same as throwing it out. And that so there was a tweet that you know got the usual response of some such of such tweets by There's always a tweet a philosopher, but this is by a philosopher. Okay, so it's different. <laughs> Agnes Kellard. Um, her tweet read, and it's still up, you know, still up for the taking. Okay. Nine-year-old, mama, you didn't throw out the Halloween candy? 
background. We have a Halloween tradition where after the kids go to bed, I throw all their candy in the garbage. The next morning, they are filled with rage. Thank you so much. Hugs and kisses. Reader, I forgot. Okay, so that was the tweet. That's it. That's the tweet. Uh, She forgot to throw She had intended to throw out the candy, but forgot. Forgot to be a monster. (laughs) And then... Then next tweet from her, her, she replies saying, people who are morally outraged on behalf of my children, don't come crying to me when your children write boring memoirs called My Parents Were Always Nice. Ooh, ooh. Um, and then there was the, somebody asks her why she does this. What is the reason for this tradition? Okay. Which I think is a, a pretty gentle way of asking this. And she says, Think of it as being the opposite of Christmas morning, which fits because we're Jewish. So there are levels here. I have not, unfortunately, had time to scroll through all the levels, but it seems like there's a bunch of different levels. I mean, this is a very like life is pain, child. Get used to it. Um, you know, maybe it's if you make your your kid's childhood this harsh, then they're just relieved when they get to adulthood and people aren't just constantly like taking their stuff and throwing it away behind their backs when they go to sleep. I mean, I will say that more of parenting involves throwing things away when your kids go to sleep than I would have realized. And it's not malicious throwing things away. It's just like little pieces of plastic kind of like accumulate and you don't know from where or like little like pieces of paper I don't know like crafts projects bits and bobs of things where if you did not do this your house would be like hoarders style in a week right so like there's a lot of throwing out or you know if there's like certain candy your kids can't have because they're allergic to them like so you know in my household we have to do some like sorting of candy for that reason but like at the same time this seems to be something else this is like sugar is like why why could your child not just like like i i don't think i'm not one of these people who's like the sort of radical what is it? Is this body positivity or is it something else where it's like all food is good food? If your child wants to eat all 500 mini Kit Kats in one sitting, you shouldn't judge. It's like, no, I mean, I think you should like be sensible about it and you, you know, not hand your child the sort of all you can eat buffet of candy, you know, if you think they'll feel ill. But like, why can't they have the candy, you know, like over the course of couple weeks or whatever like what's the problem well I'm just going to actually come out in favor of the you know allow the child to put their face into the candy like a horse (laughs) with a feed bag understanding that yes they'll probably overdo it but I got to tell you and I'm speaking from experience here when you're a kid and you were given permission to just eat as much Halloween candy as you want um, and you you eat too much Halloween candy you only do that once (laughs) Ooh, that could be that could be yeah, you know, it's it's like it's called a useful regret, you know, and um, I think it's really interesting that I don't know if this is maybe because millennials are becoming parents now or because parenting has become performative now or a combination of the two. But the Halloween candy thing has become kind of a cultural touch point. Um, there's this thing that parents do that I actually have always thought was really kind of horrible and distasteful um, where they prank their children. They tell the kids, I ate all your Halloween candy, and they film the kids, you know, oh, crying. Right. 
I've always hated this. That's I think terrible. it's a really mean thing to do to your child. Um, and it's like my least favorite kind of prank where, you know, you prey upon a person who loves you and trusts you. You prey that's upon so that. Horrible. That's yeah. so horrible. It's oh, that's like even worse than a thing where people do viral video of their child like woozy from after being at the dentist, right? Yeah, I I don't know. The after dentist videos are kind of funny because the kid doesn't know what's going on. Who cares, you know? But this is like eliciting a a, a reaction, a sense of grief and betrayal because you think it's funny, and it's like that child is going to have trust issues. But anyway, um, I did have a thought though because we sort of discussed why did she do this? Why would you? Why would you do it and announce it? Right? Why would you announce it? My theory is that. This is basically the parenting equivalent, the mom equivalent of being an edgelord, especially with the double down afterward. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your 12 your year olds on Fortnite saying the N word for kicks. And then you have your millennial moms um, who are like getting online and announcing that they threw out all the child's Halloween candy. Why? <sighs> because I suck and I dare you to get upset about it. I think that this, I think there's something to this. And I'm going to just say that one reason I think this is because women in their 30s and 40s, approximately, are a lot more like teenage boys. And maybe one might want, not, I don't even want to say want to admit, but one might assume. And another arena where this does definitely happen is in these parenting forums I'm in. Um, Very frequently, like one of the sort of regular uh, features is somebody will post a picture that their child or some friend's child, whatever, drew that, you know, some innocent picture, like recently it was one of a mermaid that always looks like a very graphic picture of a penis. And this is just like a regular thing. These always do, these posts perform very well. People find this hilarious and this is just like this is content. This is this is the content that that the moms want. I mean, I I'm, I feel like I'm not doing justice to exactly how much these drawings look like penises. So I have a question. What are the chances that these are hoaxers? They're like sitting down to kind of crudely draw a penis that looks a little bit like a mermaid. They're like, I'm going to post this. I'm going to get so many likes. Well, in this case, the child is like literally drawing it. I don't think it's so. They're they're looking over the, they're looking over the shoulder of the child. Are they filming over the child's shoulder? I want proof of I want provenance on these drawings. I'm not convinced that. <laughs> Are you it's a not... truther? Are you a penis mermaid truther? Is I'm that what penis... this is about? <laughs> I'm a penis mermaid truther. Oh man. Okay. Now we have a competition going for what we're going to actually name this episode because penis mermaid truther is kind of <laughs> unbeatable. Yeah, I think I might like that more than what we were going to do. <laughs> No, so I'm saying, you know, are we are like how certain are we that these parents aren't just pretending these were drawn by children? It's like You mean you like know. the tweets where like the child says that they're, you know, they want the Democrats to do well in the midterm elections or something like that? Yes. My child, my my three year old Harrison, looked up from his bowl of porridge and said, Papa, Vladimir Putin belongs in jail. Right, right, those, those, yes. And then he drew a penis. And then he drew a penis. Um, Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. But yeah, so I guess the the reason I bring this up is precisely because of this um, connection that you astutely (laughs) make between this sort of mom edgelording and as 
people were pointing out online, uh, like being dad, kind of, um, the dad who didn't let his daughter use a can opener in a bit he did online. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of that, right? It's like, look how bad I can be. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to, to prompt, the point is to prompt a kind of a screaming, outraged reaction. Although being dad really wasn't about that. Being dad thought he was telling a cute story about something that happened with his kid. And he only found out that it was outrageous when everyone got mad at him. Right. That's true. This, this was, was a, a very online incident, which we have talked about and we'll put it in the show notes, yada, yada, yada. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I, I have, yeah, separate questions about why she did this, assuming she did this, and why she posted about it. And, yeah, I mean, the why she did it, that's, like, it's very not of the moment, right? Because this is this moment of, like, no, don't food shame, you know? Like, it, it feels like a something of a different era, you know? Like, not allowing your child to have any... Well, it depends how old. I mean, like with babies, it's still the case. But like with a nine-year-old, why couldn't the nine-year-old have sugar? Like, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, another fun thing to think about is how much more outraged the response would have been if a man said that he did this. People would be calling Child Protective Services because it would be like, are you trying to keep your daughter from getting fat? Like, you don't control your child's body. You're an abuser. I don't know. I mean, obviously... People will call Child Protective Services on you for anything online. It's very, very easy to kind of run afoul of people who are just online on the hunt for somebody who's parenting wrong, you know, who wants to bring in the cops to make them parent correctly. Well, do you think that this is like baiting that and why? Like this, that post? I think... Well, I don't think that anybody would call Child Protective Services on a woman saying that mm-hmm. she did this or maybe not not baiting that but like baiting being told you're a bad mom do you think that that's because there's like this weird glory in being a bad mom like the whole wine mom thing yes and yeah i feel like this is very different from that or at least i don't know it's a different flavor of it because the bad mom's thing is it's self-deprecating but it's also at the end of the day you're not really a bad mom you know it's like right i just like to i like to drink a little but you know i'm still there for my kids like no one's getting hurt you're the bad mom the hashtag bad mom is doing the best she can and when she's bad it's because she took a moment to basically indulge herself in some way right she like she took a little moment to remember that she was a person too before she was a mom she's eating the halloween candy she's not chucking it bad mom eats the halloween candy the Mm -hmm. edgelord mom throws away the halloween candy and posts about it on twitter so she does and so she did (laughs) (laughs) um so are we going to move on to a different um, from edge lady, edge lady to edge lord? But I mean, this was going to be the title of our episode, Edge Lord of the Manor. That's your coinage. It's so good. Yeah. So I wanted to I, I wrote about the Elon Musk uh, Twitter takeover, and I really did want it to be called the thing I wrote um, for the Globe and Mail about this to be called Edge Lord of the Manor, even though that is not a newspaper headline. I know that and I don't fault whoever did come up with that, whichever editor came up with the headline for not using edgelord of the manor. But 
it should have. I mean, like Edgelord of the Manor is is something yeah. that I it, it's near and dear to my heart as a title, um, even if it did not. I, I agree that it did not um, really quite translate to a newspaper headline. Well, you know, the newspaper needs to get with the times is what I think about that. But here you can save this title for the Elon Musk biography that you're surely going to write. Yes, because so Elon Musk, people were just I was just looking at this. We were speculating online, like, why? What is it? Like, why do these people admire him so much? It's like he's freaking like the richest man in the world. Of course, people are, you know, into that, you know, like huge amounts of money. Like, this is not it's not like some mysterious charm. He doesn't have to have any charm. He's just like extremely rich. Like, I think that that's that's the beginning and end of it in terms of the sort of like, why are all these people sort of looking up to him? I think that that's it's because he has so much money. Is is there something more mysterious afoot? I think there's more a little more to it um, because, you know, lots of people have a lot of money, maybe not quite as much as Elon Musk. But nevertheless, I think that he inspires almost a sort of a hero worship because he's such an effective troll. And I'm going to just go ahead and admit that even I, I'm, I'm not really the audience for this, but some of the stuff that he's gotten up to um, since his Twitter takeover, which happened on, was it Monday, Friday? I don't know. It's been a, it's been a couple of days. It's been kind of funny to watch. He's clearly out to sort of push people's buttons, but he's also soliciting feedback and and talking about implementing some things that I actually think could improve the the site, improve it as like a if you reimagine it more as a sort of a service um, as opposed to a cesspool, which is what it currently is. Um, he's got interesting ideas about how he's going to change the nature of Twitter. The fact that these ideas tend to be outrageous to the worst people on Twitter is just kind of a bonus. There is a lot of screaming uh, about how, for instance, he's going to deprive people of their blue check marks unless they pay for them. And the hostage situation, <laughs> he's holding them hostage. And people are like, so much for free speech it's like it's you can still speak freely even if you don't have a little badge next to your name i mean Tweeva, you've been on both sides of this you i have i am uniquely uniquely qualified to discuss this it's better without the blue check because people don't have this weird reaction to you is what i would say because like i think People are definitely more likely to follow you or follow you back if you have the blue check. I have no doubt about that. Uh, but I think you get all these people who imagine that you have this place in the world that doesn't correspond to anything particular, material or otherwise in your life. Like surely you're just sort of sitting there on this perch of this sort of anointed and like, <laughs> and I think that people insult you more in a certain way, like as if you have a thicker skin because you're verified, you have the blue check, you're one of those blue check elites. And it's like, when you don't have that, you're just some rando who like, you kind of, you get more of your niche fans or niche followers or whatever. And maybe less of the sort of a mix of like people who think they can kind of get something from you in some vague professional networking way, but you don't even have it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not being yeah. very articulate about this, but. No, I think you touched on a lot of things that make the check mark system, um, you know, 
that make it what it is and also make it inherently ridiculous. Elon, Elon, we're on a first name basis, obviously. <laughs> Him and Donald McNeil Jr. Donald's friends. He tweeted something about how the current system for verification is like peasants and lords, and it makes no sense. And I think that is true. The other thing, too, is that the people who really care a lot about the verification, really care a lot about their checkmark, um, they do kind of form this coalition of like bullies to a certain extent. And if you are also checkmarked, but you're not a member of like the club of people who have check marks, I think it makes you more of a target if you like put a toe out of line or whatever. So mm. I feel like the check mark is kind of like the pink shirt that the mean girls wear on Wednesdays. <laughs> um, so they can all sit together at lunch in certain ways. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I don't really, I, I've always found the whole thing with the blue check marks, both the people excited to have them and sort of smug about having them and the people who are resentful of the ones who have them extremely funny and silly and juvenile like you say in terms of just like these are grown-ups is it like is that what the nft is right it's like you or it's like having a pokemon or something to some extent yeah the nft was a flash in the pan the blue check mark has much more staying power oh sure sure but i mean there's something kind of like it isn't actually like it's something and nothing at the same time like it doesn't actually mean that somebody has any particular job or role in the world. It's just like they are who they say they are. Yeah. I mean, from that perspective, you know, I have had people impersonate me online before. And that's been the one time that I actually was glad to have the blue check mark because I could just point to it and be like, that this is the one that's me. That's useful. Oh, we have to. Okay. But that is the segue for, for the issue, though. Impersonation mistaken identity. Yes, you wrote something about the takeover and the reaction to it from the right. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me, tell me what happened there. So I became obsessed with something that seems ridiculous, but it just like really one of these internet sinkholes that can happen, where I noticed that people were really mad at this <laughs> woman in a photograph of Elon Musk meeting with Twitter employees. And there were a bunch of, like, this was hard to convey um, in an op-ed, but basically there were all these different threads, like several of them viral, some with like no likes, you know, just tons of different threads um, circling or otherwise sort of zooming in on the face of this woman in the audience. And you see part of her face, right? You don't see the whole face. You, you there. I looked, I found some other picture from the same event where you can kind of see her from behind so you can kind of get a sense of what she looks like, but it's 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 not that clear. All that's clear is she's a woman. She's got sort of brown skin. She's maybe Indian, maybe not, right? That's about mm -hmm. all you can know. She's looking not giddy, but like she's at a work meeting, you know? So the famous resting bitch face, maybe, or just sort of resting work meeting face. And at first, so when I first saw this, I thought, okay, like, why are people so mad at this particular lady? And then it became clear that they think they know who she is and that they think she's Vijaya Gadi or Gade, uh, who was one of the, not just one of the fired Twitter executives, but 
the one who was really involved in getting Trump off the platform. So all the sort of pro-Trump bros or broettes <laughs> or whoever they are really have it in for this woman, right? Now, the problem is I do not think that this is the same person. And I spent a long time looking at... So I should say that in sort of um, public and in the DMs, I was I did a bunch of asking around because I could not figure out like as a sort of <laughs> research question in the time before my deadline, like what's going on, like who this woman actually is, right? I, I was not able to figure that out. And I also don't want to like dox her because she's already going through all this people hating her and maybe it's better if people don't know who she is. But um, I mean, the woman in the photo, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, people who stop and think about it for a second do not think this is the same woman. Like, they do not look that alike. They, it's it's one of these things where, I mean, there are pictures of me where I don't look like myself. You know what I mean? Like, it could be on that level that it's the same person. You know what I mean? Like, it could be a very, very unrepresentative photo of her. But the much more likely thing is that this is not the same person. I don't know. Did, have you seen these pictures? And if so, do you have? So these are the pictures of Elon meeting with a group of people at Twitter headquarters. And in the background, there are a bunch of people standing around. And there's this one woman who's standing with her arms crossed. And mm-hmm. yeah, she has a, a serious, I mean, she looks displeased, but maybe that's just how she looks. Um, you know, right. say this is somebody who looks incredibly dopey when my face is at rest. So no shade on her. And there was a tweet that had her face kind of circled or zoomed in on. And it was like, when you like can't believe this is happening to you or something like that was the caption. Right. And it's like, so some of these tweets, and this was from somebody who had been tweeting about this woman being fired, not, not the woman in the photo, the woman he think this um, Vijaya uh, Gade uh, that she had been, he'd been tweeting a bunch about her and other threads, like another, I think even more viral thread, like just outright says that that's who that is. And a Daily Mail article also does, but using Twitter as its source. Like from, have you seen pictures of the actual woman? And have you like me spent 10 hours staring? (laughs) I don't think I have seen pictures of the actual woman, but I do know that she like last year made a bajillion dollars at Twitter. And so I can't imagine that she would have been part of this like, assemblage of kind of peons just standing around watching Elon Musk come in. She's a very different age from the woman in the picture also. But anyway, whatever. Um, There are a bunch of sort of, there's, there's no sort of like polite way of explaining why these two women don't look alike, but they, they don't really, I mean, ethnically, yes. Gender, yes. Is one of them more, more beautiful than the other, like significantly? Yes. Okay. All right. We won't say which one. No, but there is there is a there is a a hotness disparity between these these two ladies. Okay, um, hotness sorry. disparity. That's a good way to put it. But yeah, so basically, um, I just noticed this, and other people noticed it too, spontaneously without me intervening. And when they would point this out on these threads, like that's not the lady, <laughs> I just was amazed because like people will say like, "Well, good enough for me," like or like close. Somebody put like, "Well, close enough." It's like. Because they, so there seems to be this consensus that this group of people were on some kind of version of The Apprentice, right? Where it was decided who was fired and, you know, 
and like that that was what the meeting was that these were pictures of where it was all being like this sort of selection was being made oh i thought that it was just that this woman looked unhappy i thought it was much more simple that you know this woman looked unhappy there was general knowledge that elon's takeover was being met at twitter with unhappiness and people liked the idea of Twitter employees being upset. And here's a picture of one looking upset. I think that was some of it. But there was also separate from any sense of who she personally was. Because there was another theory that she was somebody on a TikTok about the day in the life of a Twitter employee. And again, another woman similar ethnically, perhaps, does not look like her. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I think there was this general sense of these are a bunch of woke Twitter employees about to be fired or, you know, so I think that that was not all about mistaken identity. The mistaken identity angle though, I found pretty compelling and like, it's frustrating to me that this has not been like actual investigative journalist reported on because this is like, this is there's tens of thousands of people angry at this lady who is I don't think the lady they're actually angry at. And whatever you think about the actual lady, this if this isn't the lady, that's that's a story and a problem and a real, you know, sort of a, that's important. And I think even I don't think it matters if you think that the actual woman is, you know, a bad person for whatever reason because you wanted Trump on Twitter because you felt she got too much money from whatever settlement because whatever the reason is like none of this has anything to do with this other person and I think there's something going on and how much is like a sort of I mean I'm hesitant to say that it's a they all look alike racism because this is like a sliver of a woman's face right like yeah, I I have a, a thought, and this may be something that you actually brought up. How much of this is necessarily racially inflected versus just that this woman looks like an avatar for the outgroup, the loathed outgroup, in the same way that a kid smiling weirdly wearing a MAGA hat became an avatar for the loathed out group in the other direction back when we had the whole kind of Covington fiasco. Is it the same dynamic? Well, so I do think there's something similar. And I I do mention the Covington uh, story in the piece, because I think that this idea of not really having the full story latching onto it, projecting a whole thing onto a person is not specific to any ideology. And nor is it specific to Twitter in the Musk era. I don't think that there is like this has already been this is like a fact or like a, a sorry, a facet of social media since there's been social media. I don't think there's anything new about this where race plays into it. I don't think it's necessarily in the, you know, <laughs> confusing a sliver of one face for a person who probably isn't that person because, you know, like I said, it's not a full clear photo of anybody's face so it's confusing no matter um but i think it's more in the people who and that a lot did so i spent a while reading these tweets a lot did who either say as if you did something like well it doesn't matter like she'll do you know like it's not the lady but she's close enough to being that lady because she's presumably indian or you know of a similar background and it works at twitter right and works at twitter Or you get many, many, many more tweets about like, 
sort of go back to India style um, where it's not ambiguous. Oh, well, that's gross. Right. And so there is a lot of that. So I don't think that this is a case where um, the racial element is just totally incidental. I think for the, I think there are probably people who are just furious that Trump was kicked off Twitter and angry at the woman they blame for that and not particularly bothered about, you know, some of these people themselves might be Indian, you know, that's something else. But I think there's definitely a portion of this that has been like angry at this woman for being ungrate an ungrateful immigrant to our country style mm, argument. Mm. So I have seen a, quite a bit of that. Yes. Yeah. And probably even within that group of people who are making that kind of nasty, like racist noise, I would guess there is a subset who don't even genuinely believe that, but they're saying it because it's the most outrageous thing they can say because it's the day of the edgelord, right? Right. I mean, it's definitely a sort of, so like that was the other thing that um, interested me here, apart from the sort of mistaken identity angle was just this like this mood of the emboldened trolls, you know, and that like, because free speech is so many different things, you know, and, certain people do yeah take it as a chance to just like be as edgelord as they can and yeah i mean they that's just how it is right like i don't think that it's a good idea to say that that's that sort of defines free speech i don't think that that's like it's a part of it it's not all of it and i think you get both people defending and criticizing the value of free speech who treat sort of edgelording as like the sum total of it um, but yeah, I don't think you can have free speech without having that, but also like, you don't have to celebrate the like troll parade for its own sake. Yeah. I, I have mixed feelings about this because a lot of the people who are sort of complaining about like, oh, this is what free speech is like, this is what free speech has wrought. You know, these are people who basically have, um, used Twitter for many years to engage in a whole other variety of equally toxic speech, which is this sort of organized bullying that takes place on the platform. And I'm thinking specifically of um, of one woman who, who left the platform and announced that she was leaving the platform because it, quote unquote, doesn't spark joy anymore, which basically seemed like code for I'm not going to be able to get away with the kind of sadistic, malicious bullshit that I have been up to on this platform for the past. Ooh, I'm curious who this was. I'll tell you and I'll bleep it out. It was... Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That adds up. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, so I think that there are a certain number of people who are, you know, who are pointing to this as though it's like, and saying that, oh, you know, there goes the neighborhood with respect to to Twitter, but like the neighborhood was not a nice place to begin with because of people exactly like that. So I have mixed feelings about what's happening. I mean, this this definitely um, this gets to why I, I tweeted much to some perhaps trolls dismay that I don't like the woke or the anti woke, um, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> Sorry. Screw them all. But basically, yeah. I mean, I think that's where like you get the woke pylons and you get the anti woke pylons, and they're pretty much indistinguishable and they're you know just these symbiotic horrible things and that's why i don't really think that you can greet the sort of 
arrival of the sort of the edgelord anti-woke as I mean, whatever it is, it's not necessarily going to be like a helpful corrective to the sort of sanctimonious pylons, you know, it's just different pylons. Yeah, yeah. For every pylon, there must be an equal and opposite exactly. repylon. Well, that's the thing. It's interesting, the anti-woke thing. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this because I just wrote this long essay for the National Review um, about how I keep getting mistaken for a conservative. And, you know, when I point out that I'm not one. Um, oh, please that, do talk about it. Please do talk oh, about this. Oh, I mean, yes. I wasn't planning on really like going on about it at length. Oh, well, a little bit, a little bit. But I think there's something to the notion that we are defined by like what we're against. A lot of people seem to think that I'm anti-woke and I'm really, I'm, I'm not, I'm not anti-anything. I'm just not woke in the same way that I'm not blonde. And it's, you know, I don't really think a lot about it. I don't really think a lot about what I'm not or what I'm against. But the way that we organize ourselves now and the way that politics seems to work, um, and, you know, not just politics as it exists, like in terms of forming policy, but in terms of the culture that we now find ourselves immersed in, I think that right now, the way we kind of identify people is by looking at who they hate or who hates them and then kind of reverse engineering an identity for them from there. So it's like if the you know, if woke people are always going after you, well, you must be anti-woke um, or, or whatever. So it is really frustrating, though. It's like this kind of oppositional defiant mode of engagement that just ends up ruling the day and gets everybody kind of sniping and sneering at each other all the time. And I think that the response to Elon's takeover is very much part and parcel of that on all sides. It's just, it's ugly to see. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting to watch. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've experienced this in both ways. Like I've also had the, um, like because of whether it's a headline or just like because of whatever notions I've had people assume that I am like here to to uh, commit social justice war, you know, and like mm -hmm. we've had this even on the podcast where we've talked about some sort of sanctimonious bullying incident and been it's been assumed that we are in fact the sanctimonious bullies personally. You know what I mean? Like where yes. You, so I feel like I've been confused for the thing um even when i'm criticizing it and that that's yeah social media certainly lends itself to that and this moment yeah i mean i i, I have been amused though by the people who are on twitter posting about how they're not going to be on twitter or about <laughs> yes. their hand wringing about twitter and it's just like you could just do something else like if you don't want to you know yeah phoebe will you stay on twitter i mean Probably because, you know. Good. If you stay, I'll stay. It's about to be cold out. You know? it's, like, it's, it's the beginning of November in Canada. Oh my God, I'm Twitter, go season. To the Twitter season is just starting. It is, you know? like, what exactly am I supposed to do? Um, I mean, yeah, I think for both of us, like we use it for our work. Um, and I think unless like i mean people are saying that he's gonna like that elon musk is gonna like destroy it i don't mean i guess he could right if he chose to but i, I don't but oh important question though cat are you gonna pay to keep your blue check i wouldn't pay to keep my 
blue check. I, I've never really cared that much about the verification, which I got only because um, a long time ago I worked at MTV News and everybody who worked there, like one day they just verified all of us. And now I've had the blue check. You know, that's the one thing I took with me when I got laid off. Um, <laughs> not that I'm still bitter about that pivoting to video, you fools. But um, I do think that there are things about the kind of blue check package as he seems to be re-envisioning it where it grants you um, an ability to kind of have your tweets or your comments boosted on the platform um, where it may allow you to see fewer ads or where it may allow you to bypass the paywall of like certain um, publications that they're in partnership with. That would be very useful to me professionally. And I like the idea, not that I want Twitter to become LinkedIn, but I like the idea of it maybe, you know, becoming more of a professional platform or maybe like a useful tool in that sense than what it currently is. Um, because I, I do think that the way that it functions now is a sort of a, I don't know, it's like equal parts water cooler and like bathroom wall where people go to scrawl things about people they don't like. I, th I think it's gotten quite toxic in that way. Maybe it would be good to have a little reset. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can see all that. Um, I can't imagine personally, um, you know, like out of my own pocket paying for any sort of Twitter. But if, you know, if, if it were like a work expense and I didn't have to. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but yeah, like for my own like freelance writing, I don't I don't think I would. But if it were but as long as I know that the money is going to make a billionaire even richer, that would be good enough for me. Yeah. Do you get to decide how your eight dollars a month, which is what he wants to charge, like can you decide how it gets invested? As long as it goes to Musk personally, then it's it's a good cause. Yeah. I mean, I want half of it to go into spaceships. Okay. And the other half, I want to go to a lab where they're crafting tiny offensive jokes in a Petri dish and seeing which ones get the most um, goo on them. That's what they do in a lab, right? Definitely. I think that's science. That's what science is. Yeah. Yeah. I like to follow the science and contribute to the science. Sounds good to me. Um, do we have anything else to say? I was going to say this kind of feels like a complete episode. Should I think you may be right. I think yeah. you may be right. So maybe. All right. So here's a question. This one public or this one private? Maybe public. People like this Musk story. Okay, yeah, this will be a public episode. So, because it is a public episode, we're going to pause here to say that if you're enjoying this conversation and you'd like to hear more like it, including some private ones where we're even more off the wall than we were today. Edgier. Edgier, yeah. It's like, can I possibly swear more in our private podcast than I do on this one? I really need to try to dial that back. But anyway, you can join us on Substack, where for $5 a month, you will get uh, two premium episodes per month plus access to a community of like-minded chaos lovers. Who doesn't want that? So femchaospod.substack.com if you want to join our premium club. We will never kick you out. Um, we, we are not anti-anything. It's just a place of love. 
Uh, anything else to say? Once we're done recording, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a social media platform. I'm inspired. So I don't know which one, which one should I buy? Ooh, buy TikTok. Okay. Yeah, buy TikTok. And then, you know, while your kids are asleep, throw TikTok in the garbage. <laughs> it, it's a plan. It's a plan. And this has been Feminine Chaos. It certainly has. Thank you. Bye. Bye.